Welcome to the Taris Community Church Podcast. Enjoy today's episode. Today we're back in the book of Luke and we're going to be looking at the story of Mary and Martha. So how about I just read this out. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So this, this is um, one of my favourite um, stories, because I, when you start to look at context, you start to see that this isn't just a... Um, a discussion around uh, contemplative spirituality and active spirituality, but it's actually around the role of women and the equity of women. And Jesus here is actually liberating uh, women and saying, women, you can actually be a rabbi. What we don't understand, because we inter- one of the dangers for us is we are white, <laughs> we are English, <laughs> Australian, that's our background. So when we interpret this, and often we'll interpret it through a US lens, because let's be honest, most of the theological thought comes out of the, the US and we ignore the rest of the world. But when you understand context, when you understand that this is actually a Middle Eastern story, this happened in Israel, they aren't white, they aren't US, they are, they are Middle Eastern, And when you put it into that context, you begin to see some different nuances. So the the whole concept of a rabbi or a teacher, so in that culture there's a rabbi and a teacher, and then the disciples are the people who want to become like that rabbi, they want to become like that teacher. And one of the postures that they have is this posture of kneeling or sitting at the feet of your rabbi. It's a, it's a position of honour, it's a position of respect, it's a position of saying, I actually not only want to learn what it is that you have to say to me, but I actually want to become like you. So for Mary to come into this seating, so the way I envisage it is is that they're in the home, the men are there, the women are supposed to be off cooking the meals and um, preparing for for the lunchtime. So for Mary to actually go and position herself in that posture of, I'm sitting here, I'm wanting to learn from you, I want to become like you, it would have caused some whispers. What's a woman doing in that space? And Jesus Jesus affirms her. He affirms her agency. He affirms her autonomy. He affirms her desire. He doesn't sort of say, well, you know, sweetheart, yes, you can learn, but, you know, this is really men's business. Only men can be preachers and teachers. He doesn't say that at all. He just says, come what, what you're doing is a good thing. And Martha, I have a lot of compassion for Martha because Martha would have been like many women today if they've grown up with a, a concept of you know, what women can do and what women can't do. Martha would have been, yes, she would have had the workload and she would have been stressed about trying to get all the work done. Um, but there would have also been this kind of sense of, well, this isn't right. This, this isn't the right space that Mary should be in. She should be back here helping me. She should be back here doing the important women's work. 
But Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't say to uh, Mary, you need to go back and start cooking. He just says, you can sit here and learn. You can sit here and you can become a disciple. Now, some of you may not agree with my interpretation. That's okay. We can debate it later. Um, but when you... I don't think that you can, um, if you don't understand the context, if you don't understand the cultural context in which things happen and the importance of what's happening in that cultural context, we don't get a true um, interpretation of what's happening. So what's happening here is quite significant. Jesus is a challenging culture. He's challenging. <laughs> and he's actually freeing women and he's saying, you can be a disciple, you can be a teacher, you can be a rabbi. And so this morning, we don't, that's all I'm going to talk about in terms of the gender equity thing. But the thing that I love about the posture of Mary was that she didn't just want a titbit. She didn't just want a little, little thing. She was hungry to learn. Because the courage that it took her to go and sit at Jesus' feet would have, would have been immense. You know, I remember when we first church planted, I remember going to a number of conferences and being the only woman in the room. And you'd walk in there and you'd be having these conversations with these pastors and the pastors would say, so how's ministry going, Tim? How's the church going, Tim? And you'd just stand there, totally excluded. And then if Tim went off to another group, you, you were left, but then it would be, so, so how are the children? How are the kids? No, no recognition of the fact that, well, you know, Tim was working full-time, so good on him if he thought he could build a church without his wife actively being involved in church planning. So I think for Mary to step into that space and to kind of um, exhibit the learning posture and the hunger posture, posture that she showed was incredible. And I think it, it's an invitation for each one of us to enter into a posture of being hungry for the things of God, to be hungry to become like Jesus. And so what I want to share with you this morning is just how we're spiritually, the spiritual formation journey. And it's not, it's not a perfect um, um, model that, that I'm presenting, but it provides a framework, and hopefully you'll be able to recognise where you are on, on the journey. And it's not, a, it's not a framework where you start at one and you go around, it's kind of like you start, you go back, you keep going around, you go back. So it's kind of over the journey of a lifetime, you'll be able to spot where in different parts of your life you were in that space or you were in that space. But I think that it helps us to keep pushing in. So if we can just have... So this is called the stages of faith. And we can see that the first stage, stage one is a recognition of God. And this is where somebody just becomes alive to the fact that there might be um, this bigger power out there than myself. So maybe somebody's gone bushwalking. You know, we were up at Cradle Mountain the last few days and I don't know how you can go bushwalking in a space like that and not kind of go, there has to be something bigger. <laughs> at work here, that there has to be this divine fingerprint to create something so beautiful. Maybe for others of you, it was when your child was born and you, you see this miracle of birth and you go, oh my goodness, this just can't have just been an accident. There, there, there's a divine fingerprint behind this. For others of you, it might be that moment where 
you actually met Jesus for the first time, you know, you might have been at work and all of a sudden you come across this Christian and they seem to have peace no matter how stressful things get and, and they introduce you to this walk and to this person called Jesus and you kind of can remember that moment, that moment where you had this sense of awe and wonder because you kind of encountered this, this son of God, this, this amazing supernatural being. So in this, in this stage, it's characterised by this sense of awe but also this sense of need, that there's this big God, but I also have this need. There's a need in there where I need the engagement with a supernatural being. And um, sometimes um, in this stage also, there can be this sense of needing a greater meaning in life, a greater sense of purpose. Um, and there's a, a, in this stage... I often see it with people when they first come to faith. It's like this sense of innocence. You know, God might heal them or or um, I can think of some of you where, where God actually healed and you were just blown. Your mind was just blown. Wow. Did you see that? Did you see what God did? Why don't you believe in God? He just did this supernatural thing. He just delivered me from drugs. He just, he's just amazing. So that's what's characterised by this first stage, this, this, this sense of awareness. So how can I grow in that stage? Well, I think doing an alpha. You know, if you've, if you've kind of got this sense of there has to be this spiritual being out there, but I've never taken the time to actually discover who that is, can I encourage you, do an alpha. Don't be stupid. Discover who this being is. Because if there is a supernatural being there... You want to get to know it. Recently, Tim and I had um, some friends from Shearwater over for a, for a dinner and just beforehand, one of the guys there, he was here and he was talking about all his health challenges and how he nearly died and, you know, he's our age. And I said, well, have you figured out what happens on the other side? And he said, no. And I said, you're running out of time, mate. You know, you want to be savvy. If you don't know, figure it out. Another thing that I think in this stage is being involved in small group and church workshops, learning how to life guide, learning what the Bible actually has to say. You know, in those early stages of our faith when we open up the Word of God, it's exciting. I remember as a 14-year-old um, just how exciting the Word of God was. You know, you'd open it up and it just felt so alive and so real. So there are things that you can do to imitate this kind of posture that Mary had. The second stage is, um, if we can just go back to the first slide, sorry, um, is the life of discipleship. Thanks, and then we can go back to stage two. And this is where we, we, um, we move from this sense of awe and, um, and a recognition of need where we become hungry, where we want to learn everything. And we tend to do that in belonging. It's very hard to do this stage uh, in a privatised faith kind of way or in an individualistic kind of way. And you'll find that in this stage, a lot of people will, you know, they might watch podcasts or YouTubes and, and they'll find a communicator that they just love and they'll hang off everything that that person says. I, I think a lot of people do that with Peterson. Um, other people have done that, like with the Hillsong kind of streams. Other people have done that with, um, you know, lead pastors in the conservative movements. And so in, the, in this stage, though, what's happening here is, is that you're hungry to learn. 
You're wanting a framework to hang your life off on. You're wanting to figure out what's true, what's not true. You're wanting to become secure in your faith. You're wanting to find answers. And you usually find you're looking for those answers in this connection, in this belonging thing. And it's a really, really important stage. And it can take up a long period of time. I look back over my life and I would say that I was probably in this stage for about 20 years. Just hungry. I mean, I still am hungry. I still love learning. I still love delving. But my learning's different now to what it was in that stage. I just wanted to know, was the earth flat? <laughs> Not really. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, all those questions of evolution, the ethics, you know, was, is the Bible a literal interpretation? What does this passage mean? What does that mean? I was hungry to learn. And so some things that you can do in that space in terms of how you can grow is a small group I think is amazing because you really get to interact in a small group and, and everybody has um, something to contribute. Um, after being in small groups for 30 years, and I, don't, I think I've only missed a few, in that 30-year period, every week I learn something from someone in a small group. I get to see a different way of looking at something, a piece of scripture or a bit of life. I think church is really important. I think we learn. I think there's something that just happens collectively as we do this journey together. And I think when you do a journey together in belonging and faithfulness, it's not only what gets set up here, it's not only just the music, but it's like you see people transformed and changed over a period of time. I remember when Alana first started coming to church, she is no, she's, she's not the same woman that she was when she first walked in the door. And I love looking at that and kind of going, you know, we've done this journey of life together for nearly 20 years. And you can see the change and you can see the knowledge that she's she's gotten the wisdom that she's got it's beautiful to watch and then the third stage is the productive life and so this is where we begin to look at our uniqueness and our spiritual gifts and we start to understand that wow God's got a purpose for me and he's given me gifts and he's wired me in such a way that I can actually make a contribution in the world in which I live. And we start taking on this sense of responsibility. It's not like, you know, um, Sharon delivers a, um, a series on APEST and I figure out what I am and that's it. it what, what's happening in this stage is I'm figuring out my gifts, <laughs> I'm figuring out that God's wired me uniquely and then I'm actually going to take responsibility for how I'm going to utilise my gifts and how I'm going to actually channel them. And I'm going to give it a really good crack. And in this stage, there are some really great things in terms of how we can grow. We can grow through Eli, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. Actually, if you guys want to come up, that would be great. Um, the Exponential Conference coming up, Life Guiding, APES, joining a team. This isn't the stage where you can just sit and, and, and take. It's kind of like where you're actually being required to become active. This is what the responsibility part of this stage is. It's about actually having a crack, investing, getting involved into our spiritual formation. Now, with, if we can just go back to the first one again, with stages one, two and three, 
This is where most Christians live their entire life. And most Christians cycle between stages one to stages three. And you can get stuck at each stage. So um, in, the, in the first stage, the sense of shame or worthlessness and that, that concept of sin can be so great that it, somebody can get stuck in that and, and then not move, not understand that, they are, that they're created for belonging and they're worth, worthy of belonging and they also have unique talents and gifts. And so they, you can get stuck in the different stages. And most churches in Australia, what they, what they do is, you know, you get someone saved, teach them about Jesus, teach them their spiritual gifts and then send them out. And that's basically stage one, stage two, stage three. And so, so most churches just cycle and, and their KPI is, is so long as we do stage one, two and three and we're being effective in that and we're growing numerically, um, then we're being really, really effective. Um, and we miss out. So we're just going to pause, pause just there because I just want to talk about you, you three because you guys have done stage one, I've watched you, um, discover who God is. You, you, you're all hungry for the Word of God. You listen to podcasts, you read, you um, are hungry to, to discover who this God is and say, so I see you absorbing knowledge. And you're also wanting to utilise your gifts. So each one of you have taken on a responsibility. So you're not just bystanders, Katie. You know, you've gone, I'm leading this worship team. You took that on at a very young age. Talia, you're doing it with youth. Jono, you're doing it with the church. Um, But one of the things that has really impacted and shaped you has been Eli, isn't it? So I just thought we'd talk about how it has helped you grow. Um, And then later on, I'm going to talk about how it's actually helping you for stage four, which is yet to come. <laughs> so, tell us about Eli. I'll do an overview of Eli and then these guys can explain all the benefits. How about that? So, for those of you that don't know, we talk about Eli a fair bit, but um, there's a bunch of people in the room that, you know, people are away and that sort of stuff. So, Eli is from A to A, and so it's um, a two-year discipleship journey, I suppose, in which we um, get together sort of three or four times a year in person with people um, from all over Australia and then we get together monthly online and in between that we're sort of consuming podcasts and books and these different types of things. And it's uh, the Emerging Leaders Initiative and so really it's for those that are sort of um, stretching their imagination for what uh, their life might look like both in the life of the church but also the ministry of the workplace as well. I don't know if you guys would add anything different. No, that's good. No. Yeah. What did you want us to talk so, about? So um, what has been the benefit of it? Like what's the tangible benefit of doing Eli? Well, I'm, I'm still in my first year, so I have the least uh, experience in it. But um, I think for me one of the biggest things is just getting to meet all these different people from different churches across Australia. And um, when you go on these weekends, you get to learn from their leaders. So this, like last weekend... Um, the Eli guys got to learn from Tim, Chaz and Jono and that was, um, yeah, really cool and just like the, it widens your worldview. So every week you get this content that um, just makes you think a little bit differently and introduces you to different concepts and that's, yeah, one of the things I love. So you get introduced to different streams, you get to see that God's church is 
very diverse and that there might even be thoughts that you don't agree with, but hey, God seems to be working (laughs) even in theology or thoughts that may not fit your thoughts, which gives you this kind of idea of why Jesus prayed for unity and why it was such a big deal for him to pray for unity. Um, Would you say that it gives you this appreciation? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, awesome to see all the different... um, ways in which people are working for God and, um, yeah, just getting to learn about what that means for different people I think is a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be one of my big ones too because we get so stuck. We just come to our little church and we think this is it but, like, it's so big and it's so broad and it's so beautiful in its full expression. So I think I've really enjoyed that. Um, and then... Yeah, as Talia kind of said, the content side of it, just hearing different voices, like having that input from podcasts or books, stuff that I think one of the hard things with becoming or being in this world sometimes is you just don't know what to expose yourself to. So I've really enjoyed um, the the podcasts that we get and and Mark is such a big um, consumer of all that and he really does give you the best of the best. So, um, yeah, that's been awesome. Yeah, Jono, what about for you? Yeah, echoing everything you guys have said, I think um, and just being challenged by the diversity of church expression is just an awesome thing. Like, I remember we went to this uniting church and I was just blown away by uh, the depth of what they were doing uh, in their community and uh, their discipleship and these types of things and then walking across the road to, you know, a very Baptist type of church and then another one, you know, just this expression of just these different ways in which people are sort of just articulating this this awesome God. Because mm. yeah. like with the Uniting Church, a lot of people say they're liberals, so therefore God's left the church. Um, it's <laughs> not functioning. <laughs> and yet you go there and then you see. and, and like, yeah, At this church, there's like hundreds of youth. Absolutely thriving, amazing church. They've got this service on for the disability community. So these every week, you know, they get hundreds of people from that sector come in and they, they sing songs together and then they get to sit down and have a meal together. And it's just like, your mind just gets stretched and blown. It's just like, uh, we don't have it all figured out. <laughs> and then, like, the other thing that I enjoyed was, um, like, you can't help but disagree at times, but you still have to learn what it is to, to love one another. So, like... Not every podcast or book, like every thought, like we're all in harmony on. Like there's disagreements or there's some things. But then you, um, you have to learn what it is to go, oh, you know what, Talia, I disagree with that thought. But, you know, we, we're still on the same side. It's still going to be okay. Yeah, which is that. a really big skill, isn't it, to learn to do unity in diversity. Yeah. yeah. What about character-wise? How did it shape you character-wise? Because Mark is pretty big on character, not just head. Yeah. One of the things that I found really helpful was that it pushed me into some of the spiritual disciplines that are really essential for character formation, which I don't necessarily go towards naturally. So, like, I don't go naturally towards, say, um, silence and solitude, as an example. And I know that Talia doesn't either, so Talia's got, uh, really struggled with that one when you had <laughs> to experience yeah, that. Yeah, very much. Um, our first Eli weekend, I think we spent most of Saturday by ourselves So we had to go into like this market and we weren't allowed to talk to anyone from Eli. We weren't allowed to talk to anyone. So I couldn't greet any of the, we're in this giant market, couldn't greet any of the vendors, couldn't say hello to anyone. And then in the afternoon, we had to spend an hour by ourselves in a cemetery. And I um, will still, like every time someone asks me about Eli, I'll bring it up because I just had to sit by myself and be okay with that. And that was, that was massive for me. Yeah. Whereas I really enjoyed those bits. (laughs) 
you're a sicko. I'm good at those. <laughs> but coming back to your question, like Mark just uh, pushes the character over competence so hard and that comes through very much. And so like I'll get phone calls from him all the time, just, hey, I've got... Uh, I'm only going to take two minutes of your time, but I just want to find out how you're going. Like, he doesn't ask how things are going. He asks, like, how am I going? So there's very much... Uh, one of the, the strong agendas is um, we want people to finish well. Like, we're somewhat nearer the start of our race, I suppose. And so I think so often we look at things for such a short time horizon, like, oh, in the next year or two years. But if, I want to be pursuing God in 40 years' time. And so that's the agenda for me. Mm-hmm. And um, Mark definitely pushes that, and he knows that character is a, a large part that's going to take us there. Yeah, he talks about the long game a lot, playing the long game, which is... Yeah, and it gets you so out of this here and now period of time and thinking about the future. And when you think about that, you have to start doing those character things because you know that your longevity, like, you're just not going to be there otherwise. Mm. Um, and just actually start thinking about that because our world is so fast-paced and so, you know, me-focused and what I can get out of it, but looking at also looking at the, the you but putting in those practices to make sure that you can be outward-focused and not burn out in five years. <laughs> so the others struggled with um, solitude. What was your struggle, your character struggle? Um, mine was probably the disagreeing bit. <laughs> Are we surprised? I'm a nine on the Enneagram. Um, yeah, like actually being exposed to those worldviews and I very easily will just kind of go with what the crowd says but actually starting to think about, well, do I agree with this? Like is this what I, I really believe? And actually starting to have those, um, those conversations with myself and, and be challenged by that was really hard for me. Yeah, mm. and putting those opinions out there too. Yeah. So would you recommend people to do it? And if so, at what stage do you think somebody needs to be at to be able to get the best out of it? Okay. Uh, I definitely recommend I think it's amazing. I think anyone could do it. I think it's especially suited if you're in your 20s, I think, or early 30s. I think sort of that age bracket from 20 to 35, it is, it is like built for that person. Like, there have been people older than that age demographic that have gone and they've done it and they've loved it. Like, I think... Um, yeah, that's right, the Lismore crew. Uh, some of them were here last week. But I think if you are a young person, um, I think it's just an awesome way just to be really intentional about your your spiritual walk. Yeah, Yeah. for me it was that moment, that kind of time of... Um, I'd been in like leadership positions, leading the team for a while, and just kind of feeling maybe a bit stuck in that as well of... Like, how do I continue to grow? How do I build into myself? And which will actually build into the greater church as well. So um, in terms of my spiritual growth, that was probably the stage of just that kind of rub of, like, I need to do something or Mm -hmm. something more to Mm -hmm. actually grow myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would absolutely recommend it for uh, as well. I think for me, like, it was, oh, I'm stepping into this leadership position, so how do I make sure that I do that really well? And, like, a lot of the... Um, guys who are doing Eli at the moment, um, quite a few of them are in like the youth ministry space and so for me it's been really cool to get to see how other people are doing youth ministry and how they're leading their teams and their youth and so um, I think if you're like stepping up to a leadership role as well, like it's just so good to have that extra um, support, yeah. Mm. Mm. 
So it's great when you're hitting that stage three in that formation where you're starting to look at, okay, well, what are my gifts? What's, maybe God's got a purpose for me. Maybe there's things that I can uniquely contribute and I want to take responsibility. So if you're heading into that space, it's a great, it's a great tool. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, can I just, one other thing. Uh, again, if we look at it for this longer-term time horizon, especially for those that are a bit younger in the room, it's like, do you, like, I still intend to be engaged with church in 40 years and, like, I want my involvement with that church, local church, to be as uh, impactful as what I can do. Like, I want to be a steward of the person of God, that God's made me to be. So part of that is how do I continue to grow and develop so that I can do that? And for me, this is just such an awesome way, and not just the content or the skills that we learn, but also just the relational connections that we made because... Um, I just found it so very encouraging not to just get stuck in the same environment because, you know, we all rub against one another at times. We spend enough time with one another, but to be able to be really great friends with people that are outside of this bubble going through the same stuff, I can just pick up the phone and say g'day with them. Or when I see them, it's a delight to see them. Like, it's just such an enriching experience. Awesome. Yeah. So if you're sitting there and you're kind of going... Oh, if you feel the Holy Spirit stirring you, kind of going, well, I'm not actually in a ministry yet, but I kind of would like to explore where I fit, um, how I can use my gifts, how I can um, explore my unique purpose. I would really encourage you to come talk to Jono um, because we would love to see more, especially of our young leaders um, doing this. I wish I'd had it. Um, it would have made such a difference. Um, yeah. Can I say one more thing? Sure. <laughs> Even for those of you that don't see yourself like like on staff, church, whatever, like that's not the point of it. Like, like I think of my cohort that I went through. Like one person now is trying to explore what it looks like. What does it mean for the church to have an expression in a gym, like a personal business, a training business? Another person is like a architect, but she's got uh, she's a wonderful creative painter, and so she's here exploring what can I do through art in, in culture, and so. It's bigger than just church stuff. Yeah, and like you've got one person too who raises uh, tens of thousands yeah. of dollars for um, the hospital unit yeah. um, for children um, in one of the regional towns. Um, so there's a lot of diversity yeah. in the group. Yeah, good. Thank you. Yay. So on that, I had other things like, Eli, I know that um, Holly and Carly who are... Um, looking at um, planning missional um, communities out at Longford. They did um, a thing called The Company With Me last year. Um, exponential conferences coming up in October. I would really encourage as many of you. There's just some phenomenal speakers coming to that. I'd encourage you to, you know, maybe um, go up to that. I know it's expensive, but I think it's worth it. Um, and then the other thing I think in this space is just join a team. You know, join a team, but don't just, oh yeah, I'm on the roster. <laughs> Think about, well, what, what, what is my unique gift and what can I actually bring or contribute? So really step into that sense of responsibility. The fourth stage is the journey inward. And um, this is where there's usually a faith crisis. And some of you are in this stage. And this isn't age-related, uh, I, I personally believe our young people are probably doing this at an earlier stage than 
um, what my generation possibly did. But this is where you have this faith crisis and some of the certainties of your faith. You know, when you're in that early stage, this is black, this is white, this is theologically correct, I'm theologically right. And then life happens and you're thrown into this crisis and all of a sudden you realise that the black and white nature of your theology doesn't work. So who is this God? Where is this God? What is my faith? What is my, my relationship with this God actually like? It's, it's this crisis of faith. Some call it the dark night of the soul. It's where you hit the wall, if, um, back on that first slide. And it's kind of like you feel like you knew God, but all of a sudden it's like, I'm not so sure who this God is anymore. I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether that theological thought that I had there was correct or not. And it's in this space that you begin to see that God is more than theology. He's more than systematic theology. He's more than that. And you, you, you have the choice in this stage of encountering God in a new and a different way. So in this stage, there's a loss of certainty over, over the knowledge parts of your faith. There's also where you get to release God out of a box. You know, up until this point, you have this concept of who this God is and he's in this nice, nice, neat box, but all of a sudden he gets released and all of a sudden you encounter him as Emmanuel. That whether your theology's right or whether it's wrong, whatever the situation is you're going in, you just know that you know that you know that he's there with you and you encounter him in this new and different way. And this can be a really lonely time. It can be a, um, it, it can be a time where you feel like you, you've lost your faith. I know in, in, I feel like I've hit the wall a couple of times now and in that faith, I, in that stage, I've often kind of gone, am I a Christian? Because I, I don't know that I think that. I do think this. It, it, it can be a lonely, scary, scary time. And this is why very few Christians will actually do this work. Because it's hard work. It's inner work. It's, it's where you go in and, and God does something on the inside. It's kind of like where you have this wrestle with God. And he breaks stuff in you and he changes stuff in you if you let him do it. And unfortunately, a lot of pastors can't go in this journey with you because they haven't done it themselves. They're so busy building the church and trying to keep the wheels going round and round in terms of are we reaching out to people, are we discipling them, are we empowering them and releasing them in their gifts. And so a lot of pastors don't do this work because this is lonely work, this is hard work, it's deep work, but it's important work. And in this stage, if you feel like maybe this is the stage that you're in, can I encourage you to maybe look at some things like mentoring or spiritual direction, finding someone who can walk with you beside this journey, who won't give you the answers but who will just be with you and reflect back to you. I think things like retreats, counselling, as good life guiding for me was just an essential to just sit there with the word of God and say, God, just show me, just show me things. This, this seeking of wholeness, this letting go of the ego 
Um, it's, it's a hard stage, but it's a good stage. And then if you get through, choose to get through that stage, if we go back to the first one, we come to stage five. Now, you can't get to stage five without going through that wall. And some of you younger ones, you're in this stage because you're, you're, you're deconstructing, you're trying to figure out, well, who is this God? Where is he? And usually there's a whole heap of different things that are happening. It could be a financial thing, a relational crisis, all sorts of things happen. But if you go through that wall, if you do that hard work, what happens on the other side is really beautiful. On the other side is, is that you have this renewed faith and this sense that you know that you know that you know who God is. And you don't, you don't get too upset or worried if somebody has a theological difference to you. You, you. you can accept that because you see people differently. You see God differently. You know God differently. You know that love is different. And you have this sense of the horizontal life. In stage four, it's this vertical thing where you and God are wrestling and you're trying to figure out who is this God. In this next stage, what you're concerned about is the horizontal life. You're concerned about unity. You're concerned about loving your neighbour. You're concerned about people. You're filled with this compassion where you just want to be with people, where you'll even place yourself in some circumstances or situations that you never dreamed that you would sit situate yourself in because you see the person and you, all you want to do is give love and compassion and be present to them. And you have this sense of peace, you have this sense of confidence, um, you're not too worried about what other people may or may not think about you. Um, and uh, it, it's a great space to be in. How can you grow in that, in that space? I think mentoring, spiritual direction, time alone. This is why learning to practice those habits early on in our life get transferred later in life. Prayer, life guiding. In this stage, you're no longer striving, you're just evolving. And it becomes less about you and more about God. And then the sixth stage, the final stage, is this stage, and we call it the life of love. And it's a stage where um, you're okay in that the things that once meant a lot to you no longer mean a lot to you. So having a car doesn't really matter. House doesn't really matter. Um, often I've met people in this stage where even eating doesn't matter. <laughs> All what they're concerned about is this sense of who God is and their expression of love to people. I think Mother Teresa reached this stage. I think in our own community, I think you would look at someone like Anne and you'd say, I think, I think this is what it might look like. This life of love. This life of just obeying God in my purpose, then that, it's not that there's this great big purpose, it's like every day there's this purpose. Every day there's this little encounter that God has, this little, this little assignment that he has for you. This, this little job. It's kind of like in this stage where 
people just kind of go, take my life. I'm, I'm just here, God. I'm just here to do whatever it is. In this stage, I often find people who are in this stage, they chuckle a lot. There's a joy, there's a glint that comes in their eye. We were in um, London earlier in the year and we got to meet Sandy Miller, who's in his 90s. He's Nicky Gumbel's mentor and pastor. And, and I watched him in his 90s and he stood there for nearly two hours praying for young people, just wrapped his arms around them. But you'd see him as he's praying, this chuckle, this glint would come in his eye, this, this kind of sense of humour that he could see what God was doing in somebody's life. And it was just delight. I want to get to that stage. I want to get to that stage. But you can't get to that stage unless we have this posture like Mary when we come and we sit at the feet of Jesus and we say, I want you to be my rabbi. I want you to be my teacher. I'm willing to go through the stages. I'm willing to put the hard work in. And you won't get to stage six if you just want to be a consumer. It actually takes something from you. You actually have to choose to be a disciple. You have to push into the hard parts. You have to be willing to experience pain, you have to be willing to sacrifice, you have to be willing to go on the journey because you can't get there. And you know, at the moment, I just think that the church would look a lot prettier if we had a lot more people in stage five and six than just doing one, two, three, repeat, one, two, three, repeat. More people willing to go into that hard space and come out the other side changed and transformed. I often think of Mary. She stood at the cross. She didn't kneel at the cross when Jesus was dying. I find that incredible. She didn't kneel. She didn't, she didn't fall to the, to the ground. I reckon she stood there crying her eyes out, watching her son die. And I think in that moment she was saying, evil's having its way today, evil is going to win today, but tomorrow is another day. Because I think she understood who Jesus was and that he was worth following and getting to know. And that eventually he would triumph. We have so many beautiful people in the Bible to follow to be inspired by, to explore. Can I encourage you to be active, to have an active faith? Let's pray, and then what we're going to do is we're just going to sit around our tables and we're just going to ask those simple questions. What's Holy Spirit saying to you? What is it that maybe you need to do? And how can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the story of Mary and Martha. I thank you for the life of your son. Thank you. And this spiritual journey, it is a journey with many stages, many ebbs and flows, and it goes from the time we're born to the time we die. And we can choose to participate or we can choose not to participate. We can choose to consume. We can choose. We can choose. But I thank you that the goal of the journey is it's that eventually you become our rabbi and we actually become like you.
that the student becomes the teacher. That we become transformed and changed. That we become love. Not that we do love, but that we become love. And so Holy Spirit, I just pray that you will just um, stir up just a hunger, whether it be for Alpha, just to become intelligent about spiritual things. Whether it be uh, maybe doing Eli, maybe joining a team, joining a small group, starting life guiding. That each person as they leave here today will have one action, just one thing that they're going to do keep going on this journey of faith. So activate that in us, I pray. In your precious name, amen. So have a discussion at your tables. Be honest. Go deep. (laughs) What's there to lose? Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed the message and that's had great impact on you. If you want prayer, would like to connect with us further, or you just have questions, we would love to chat. You can find us at www.tarescommunitychurch.com.au or you can find us on Facebook. Have a great week.